1: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That
0: is right. You are tuned in to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Show to watch the program live or on demand. Yes, yes, as long as Facebook allows us to do that. Thank you for joining us. Good to be here. Of course, lots to talk about today, as the House is supposed to be taking up this coronavirus. Um, You know, I've caught it stimulus, and I was watching an interview. I don't even know. I've consumed so much news and so forth recently, but I was watching an interview yesterday, and someone made the point that it's really not a stimulus. This isn't designed to stimulate the economy. This is designed to basically help companies and individuals um, I guess I can say survive um, this economic problem caused by a health crisis caused by coronavirus and again as we've said from the beginning there's two aspects of this there's the health crisis there's the economic crisis both of these things are important Um, lives definitely outweigh finances economies uh, but to say that we shouldn't be addressing both is to look at this um, through a through a lens that needs to be adjusted, and so that's what we're trying to do and so the house is taking this up today by the way, I want to say again because I've gotten emails from from many of you um, we are offering during this time through the month of April April thirtieth, and I could who knows depending on what the future holds here with uh, the state of things and coronavirus and so forth, but we could extend this even further. But anyone who's an email subscriber to our newsletter, I sent out an email late yesterday afternoon, but anyone who's a subscriber can get become a member of Total Access for free through the month of April where you can hear hour number two of this program digitally, access to commercial free content and so forth. Um, For free, all you got to do is sign up for our email newsletter, and candidly, the reason we do that is so that we have uh, just have your email on file, and then that's how we email you the way uh, communicate via email to say, "Hey, email me back if you want." If you want us to set up uh, set you up with a temporary, um, well, with an account to become a member, so it's totally free, no gimmicks, no credit card, anything required. At the end of that time, if you choose to keep it, fine. If not, it's totally fine as well. We're just trying to to help here as we are um, – as, as people are adjusting, I want to make sure that we do what we can to, I don't know, to, to kind of bond together here as we go through this. And we're also doing our number two of the program on Facebook during this. Um, I don't know if we'll do that through the whole month of April, but we're doing that for the short term as well which we normally do not do. You can only see this lovely face on Facebook during hour number one most of the time. So anyway, if you want to do that, if you want to get access, become a total access member and get hour number two digitally through the month of April, uh, all you have to do is sign up for the newsletter. You can do that two ways. Text Huff, H-U-F-F, to 31996 or go to com slash subscribe and enter your email there and I will um, be sending you some information um, about how you can can sign up or to, to get your uh, account set up. I have to do that manually for the time being because we don't have an automated mechanism. This was something I decided to do quickly and there we are. So, uh, lots to go through today. Um... We touched yesterday on some of the waste in this in this bill. Um, I know some of you have some some feelings and thoughts about that. Some folks are highly upset about this, understandably so. having a humongous bill with a price tag like this one has is something that Republicans and conservatives. Um, Or have been trying. Have been well. Conservatives in particular have been talking about the economic consequences of long-term debt and so forth. I will say that this one, in my mind, while not uh, different from a perspective of, um, uh, maybe fundamentally different, it is different in the sense of maybe the the short-term economic consequences this is not 2008 as we've gone through before this is 2000, 2020 and this is not because of an economy that's been limping along uh, because of well because of policies that are not good for economic growth and for market confidence this is an economy that was roaring roaring along and had been roaring along for some time and this is a result of a health crisis. We've seen what's happening in New York City. I mean, they are, uh, from reports that I'm that we're reading and seeing, hospitals completely overwhelmed there, uh, running out of protective gear, uh, personal protective equipment. By the way, I know, I don't know if anyone can hear my voice, and they are in need of personal protective equipment. They can. Uh, we have one of our advertisers that's. Um, that's got an FDA approved source um, and that's on our Facebook page as well. We're trying to do what we can to to help in that regard. I don't know if that's, you know, where all this stuff is hitting. I do know that it's becoming harder to get some of this stuff. But you see this, these pockets of intense crisis popping up in places like New York with what's happening there. And so um, this is... You've got the health crisis again. and You've got the economic portion of this crisis, and you've got an economy that's come to a standstill, a halt. So the idea here, the idea here is uh, to—I mean, we—I think a lot of folks, uh, I think a lot of folks, it may be hard to if you're not maybe in the business world, um, it's hard to understand the magnitude of this problem in certain industries and sectors in particular. And I think to a degree, all small businesses and even many larger companies, um, to say, essentially, I mean, I've heard people tell me that they're down 90% in sales, 90%. And it doesn't really matter who you are. That is a major, major problem. And so the government... And Trump, Trump, the Trump administration, Republicans and Democrats made a calculation here that in order to prevent a short-term financial calamity, we're going to take actions. It's actions that are not necessarily good. There's long-term financial consequences of what we're doing here with this bill, and I don't want to overlook that. But this is a different environment. This is a different animal, and I think – I think for some, um, the degree of this problem is I, I've known you probably know too, I've known people who have had secure jobs, they've been in positions for many years. The second that this really hit, some people were laid off immediately, some people um had their hours cut, some people you know, the the job completely went away, at least for the time being. And That's just in anticipation, really, the beginning of of the pains that people are feeling. We're not even, you know, we're only weeks into this now. If this extends further, as some have suggested, it it very well may. Um, And, of course, it is, we're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, especially when you look at what's happening in New York, New Orleans, California. This is going to continue to be problematic and Trump's trying to find a way to open up parts of the country to where there's a way – in fact, there's there's articles and stories out there about Trump trying to find a way and his team, the, cor- uh, the, the, the task force, trying to find a way whereby they can open up certain parts of the country depending upon a county's risk level <clears throat> and then uh, have local and state officials make decisions – as to when actions need to be take, uh, taken locally to prevent an outbreak or to when a risk level reaches a certain tolerance uh, a certain level a certain we have a you know reach a problematic state folks can slow things down or go back into social isolation or whatever the case may be so but this bill is now going to the house and they were looking to do a voice vote but it appears that Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky is now requiring or it looks as though he's going to be making um, <laughs> making them all actually go to the chamber today um, and vote on this, I guess, to, I don't know, debate. I don't know if there's going to be debate. What exactly is going to happen? It's not really clear. He hasn't, as far as I can see, really explained Himself or what he wants to see happen, uh, but this thing passed ninety six to zero in the Senate. Trump says he's ready to sign this thing. It appears that all the other House members are prepared to at least let this thing uh, go through, go through the, the and get approved by the the House. But um, now there's going to be apparently, apparently from what I'm reading here, uh, beginning at nine o'clock this morning 2 hours of debate on the house floor over this particular piece of legislation so you had congressmen congresswomen at home and now they are having to return from the uh, for this vote so we'll talk more about this as the program comes together the state of this but there's other consequences of this particular Situation we find ourselves with coronavirus. There's the economic and there's the health portion, and then there's kind of the, I guess, the intersection of those two. There's some activities going along, going on out there. Some scammers, some crooks, some people who are trying to take advantage of individuals during this time of crisis. And so we're going to have as a guest on this program. Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill, he'll be joining us here next segment, explaining some of the things that he and his office have seen happening, some ways that Hoosiers can protect themselves, some ways that, even though this is specific to Indiana, this applies to anyone outside of Indiana as well, because similar things are happening. People that are trying to take advantage of uh, of individuals who are concerned about the crisis or trying to help those in need some folks trying to create fake charities and all sorts of stuff so i'll share a bit of this conversation i had with indiana attorney general curtis hill after the break here after the break and then we'll continue talking about the status of legislation what's going on what's in this bill some of the waste as well um, as the program comes together but i've got to take a time out you're listening here to the home of conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute share with you this conversation I have uh, had yesterday afternoon with Attorney General Curtis Hill from the state of Indiana. He is explaining to folks that it's not just, and again, we're not minimizing, there's the, there's the, the health risk and the medical problems that arise from coronavirus, there's the economic problems, and then there's the crooks out there, the crooks out there, the scammers, the folks that if they would just put their The skills that they have used to try to deceive and mislead people, if they use those skills in a legal, ethical, and moral way, could be in such a better place as a state, country, world. But anyway, I want to share this conversation because it is something – again, it's it's not something I thought much about until I spoke with Attorney General Hill yesterday, and this does pose a very real – and legitimate problem, and Hoosiers and others around this great nation need to pay attention to what's going on. So here's my conversation with Attorney General Curtis Hill from the state of Indiana. Well, one of the things that may not uh, first come to mind when thinking about something like coronavirus is some of the scams and fraudulent activities that may be surrounding uh, the virus that people try to take advantage of people. So I'm joined by Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill, and he's going to share with us some of the things that he and his office are running into. Attorney General Hill, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us, sir. How are you today?
1: I'm good, Todd. Thank you, and uh, it's great to be here.
0: Well, so you're running into some, some I guess, fallout, some problems from, uh, from the coronavirus. Maybe explain to our listeners some of the things that you're running into Um, that that you and your office are hearing about?
1: Well, you know, Todd, Hoosiers are understandably concerned about protecting their health during this pandemic, and they're worried about possibly contracting the virus. And for those who've already uh, possibly contracted it, they're worried about recovering from it. But there's also the need to protect themselves from the possible dangers during this crisis. And, And some of those other dangers are safeguarding their finances and their personal information um we ask folks to pay careful attention uh because there's things that the attorney general's office can do to help as as is the case of the virus from what we've seen in the science so far the most vulnerable among us are our seniors and typically when it comes to fraudulent activity or scam activity uh that's also our most vulnerable uh group uh older citizens and so we're mindful of uh, potential price gouging. We're mindful of scams and frauds that are in effect, and we can chat a little bit about that. And we're also mindful that during an emergency such as what we have, uh, our people, our Hoosiers, are, are very prone to engage in charitable contributions. And uh, interestingly enough, charitable contributions or, or uh, fake charitable organizations are a uh, primary scam that's used in this time period as well. So we want to make sure that people are alerted to these potential problems so that uh, they can arm themselves um, with better information and also seek assistance if they're approached.
0: So if that is that the form that you're seeing this take right now is that people are coming up with fake charitable organizations and they're what, are they calling people? Or are they emailing people? Is it a combination? What's that, what's that look like, and what's the shape that you've seen it taking so far?
1: It's a combination of both. It's, it's phone calls. It's emails. It's anything, any, any little crack in the opening that they can slide into. We've had numerous reports of a utility scam. Uh, someone, uh, typically an older person, gets a phone call uh, from an, an entity representing itself to be the local utility company. Gee, you haven't paid your bill, Todd, and uh, that's a problem. It's such a problem that we're going to shut off your power. Mm. Now imagine that you're in a situation where uh, you're you know, locked down in your home and someone tells you that they're going to shut down your power. What are you going to do, Todd? You're gonna, you're, if, you're, if you're trusting and you're nervous, you're going to reach for the pocketbook. Mm. Um, so we've had several instances like that. It can happen over the phone. And, and people should understand you're not going to get a phone call from your utility company uh, telling you to pay up right now—that's just not how it works. But people get frantic, and they don't know that. Um, the other way they come at you is over the uh, the internet um, by creating a false uh, entity, oftentimes mirroring a uh, uh, a charitable organization, uh, perhaps that you're familiar with, but maybe with a a couple of letters off or. Uh, it's not quite the same and so what we what we tell people is uh, if you get contacted by someone whether it's over the phone or over the internet don't react and make a contribution right away Uh, do some homework uh, look into it research make sure that you're dealing with the appropriate entity Um, there's different ways that you can verify this and then take action and when you make a contribution Make a contribution by check or by credit card, so that you've got some um, uh, measures to uh, correct if you find out that you have been defrauded. Um, there's, there's specific tips that you can uh, adhere to to avoid cyber crimes. You know, one of the things that we tell people is treat any email or text pertaining to the coronavirus virus with caution, because there's so much information coming out, um, and there's so much opportunity to. Pre- to create misinformation, such as, um, well, we've got a product here that will cure and treat coronavirus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody, everybody would be interested in that. And as the moment we're speaking right now, we're not aware of anything out there that has been legitimately determined to be a treatment or a cure. Uh, so in all likelihood, that would be a fraud or a scam that would be targeted to get someone's money. Um, those are the types of things that we warn people about uh, to use good judgment and, use, and use, uh, use good care. And if there is a, an effort uh, to try to, uh, to breach your security, contact the Indiana Attorney General's office uh, at indianaconsumer.com, and we will uh, assist you in filing a complaint, uh, look into the matter, and, and try to give as much information as possible on what's out there.
0: I'm with Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill. So the, these these crooks and frauds they've gotten they've gotten pretty sophisticated. I mean, with the day of you know the, the internet and and logos and so forth out there, I'm sure they can build web pages or send out emails that look authentic and that they look legitimate. Um, and so, like you said, you're, they're preying upon people's fears. They're preying upon uh, people's desire to help um what if someone was to get some of this um you know what was to be targeted by this i know you gave some tips there to not uh to respond or maybe pay by check or credit card after taking some time to double check but is there anything else that would stand out from someone uh from some of these maybe emails or uh, attempts to to trick people is there anything else that they could look out for
1: well, there's, there's there's lots of things that, that you can look out for. There's uh, there's even organizations that you can look to that will confirm uh, charitable organizations uh, such as Give.org, uh, org, things of that nature. But what you can look for is something out of the ordinary, out of kilter. You know, why did you get it? Um, did it just come out of the blue? Was there some connection? Um, I know I'm very wary of just about anything that comes my way. Um because it's it's it all as you've mentioned everything looks like it could be legitimate it's 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 hardly there's any hardly any way to differentiate um the best thing to do is to not really respond to communication that you don't ask for or or directly seek somebody that, that comes into you and there's no basis um for how it got to you but even that can be tricky because these scammers have gotten so sophisticated. Um, they're they're able to do magic, it seems, and uh, sometimes um, provide an intro from someone that you that you know hmm. in that sense. And so it's 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 not always foolproof. It's 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 um, it's very troubling, um, and from a law enforcement perspective, it's uh it's troubling from our standpoint because. We want to put a stop to this. Much of the traffic that comes in on scamming and fraud is outside of the area, Uh, certainly outside the state, uh, and in many instances, most instances, outside of the country. Um, So the ability to bring these folks to justice is extraordinarily difficult. Um, My office uh, continually works with the FTC and the FCC on trying to work through different ways to uh, to effectively stop these types of communications from, from happening. Um, but in a, in a free society, it's virtually impossible to do. So the best thing we can do otherwise is to arm uh, the, the people with information about what's happening so that they can engage in self-help to keep themselves from becoming a victim.
0: This reminds me, this conversation reminds me a couple of years ago, my, my grandmother got a phone call um, from a young man and when she answered the phone all he said was grandma and then of course my grandmother having four oh, yeah. children says you know one of her grandchildren's names todd or matt or whatever it is yeah yeah i'm i'm stuck in i think it was i'm stuck in atlanta i can't get home i lost my cell phone can you send me money and you know, my grandma was smart enough, you know, you're you're right, you pray, these folks pray on emotion. So a grandmother wants to help thinking maybe something, someone's wallet got stolen and everything's just falling apart. So she was smart enough to call me. And she said, did you just, did you just call me? And I said, no, grandma, I'm here in beautiful central Indiana. Um, So it's, it's those sorts of things, right? That, that people are maybe not exactly like that, but that's the kind of thing to look out for.
1: That that particular scam is one of the more popular scams because of, of what you just said. It, it it pulls on the heartstrings. It's it's somebody in my family needs me, um, and I mean that's what you and I would do. I mean you get in trouble, you call your mom, you call your grandma. Um, it's a it's a normal reaction, and so they have figured these things out. And uh, you know, even as simple as the phone calls, uh, getting these errant phone calls where you've got someone on the other end who you don't know, I, I tell people, they say, well, Curtis, what can we do about these phone calls? And I say, if, if you don't have, uh, if someone calls you and you don't recognize the name, because we do have the technology that allows us to program our numbers uh, into our phone, if you don't recognize the name, don't answer it. And, and the, the number of times that I've talked, given that advice to older folks, and they can't seem to get that because they're used to the phone ringing
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you answer the phone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I have a, I had a friend who told me a story about his father was complaining about getting this call consistent of a person calling him up and, and bugging him. And uh, my friend told his dad, well, dad, just don't answer the phone. Phone rings while my friend is over there. His dad looks at the phone, sees it's the, the same number. And he says, you see, there they are right now. Picks up the phone and says, hello.
0: Hmm.
1: Um he can't help himself mm-hmm. and that's, and that's, and they get this. The, the scammers know that if they make the calls, they make the call sooner or later, they're going to get somebody who's older, who's alone, who's vulnerable, who's trusting. And then they have their target. Mm-hmm. And you take that situation and you magnify it by the, uh, the fear, uh, that's, that's out there now because of uh, the virus. And then you magnify that with the hysteria that's built around the reaction to the coronavirus, and you've got a perfect recipe for uh, criminal enterprises that are, in, that are looking to prey on that type of fear.
0: And like you said, some of these folks are out of this country. There's no way to track them down. It's hard to bring them to justice. But what can folks, if they're subjected to this, if they've, if they've gotten called or they've gotten an email, what can they do? What should they do? Can they report this? What, what action should they take?
1: They should absolutely report it. Uh, Even if we have limitations on what we can do, we gather the information and we compare notes from one incident to another so that we can identify uh, what types of of, uh, efforts are out there, and, and those then are produced as alerts. So if we find out that there's a certain type of fraudulent activity underfoot in Indiana, um, we can put alerts out to the various parts of the state, and hopefully people will then hear about it and say, oh, that's the old grandma, it's me, I'm stuck in such-and-such such mm-hmm. scam. I heard about that on the radio. That's what we try to do is gather that information. So it's very helpful um, to to learn about what types of, of scams that are out there. And we encourage people to contact our office, uh, indianaconsumer.com. Um, and and report those to the AG's office. Um, We gather that information. Um, We also take some of the information and we'll turn it into a complaint. Um, So that if, if, if there are any markers that allow us to hold someone accountable within the state or to connect with an office in another state, we certainly will take whatever action we can to try to bring someone to justice who is engaging in this process.
0: Well, it's uh, there's never a dull moment in today's world and people taking advantage of emotions and all the stuff going on with this. I didn't stop to think about this, so I'm glad that you've kind of illuminated some of these uh, realities. What's that website again, uh, sir, where folks can report uh, any fraudulent or uh, suspicious?
1: Indiana, mm-hmm. Sure, Indiana, indianaconsumer.com, and uh, we've also got an 800 number, one eight hundred three eight two 382 5516, 1 382 5516, or contact us at IndianaConsumer.com.
0: Well, I appreciate what you're doing to keep Hoosiers safe. Thanks for sharing this information. Again, that's the Attorney General of Indiana, Curtis Hill. Sir, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much. Stay safe and uh, take care. And also make sure you, you, your listeners recognize that we are Americans and we will get through this. Amen. Uh, we need to stand proud and stand strong and uh, not forget where we came from and who we are.
0: That's exactly right. The message of hope and encouragement is definitely needed at this time. Sir, I appreciate it very much. Have a great day. Thank you. Welcome back. So I want to make sure that we talk Today, the rest of the program, the rest of this first hour about the legislation, what happens next, what's happening on the House floor today, which should begin here in a couple of hours. Thomas uh, Massey is uh, basically calling people into the House where there appear, it appears there's going to be some debate on the House floor about this, about this particular bill. So we'll go through it. We'll go through what's wrong with it. Um, we'll talk. I guess a little bit on the perspective of this massive sums of money economies and massive uh, in a world of hurt here every every minute and day that goes uh, goes by with this coronavirus situation and it's you know it's it's not far 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 from a perfect bill lots of things fundamentally wrong lots of concerns and I I get it but there's a lot of massive problems in the economy too so We'll unpack that short segment here, I know, and I apologize for that, but that's uh, I wanted to make sure that we squeezed the entire uh, 14 minutes or so of that conversation with Attorney General Curtis Hill from the state of Indiana. I appreciate him coming on, appreciate him sharing perspective, appreciate him letting us know that there are other things to consider out here, especially, I mean, Hoosiers, Americans are generous, considerate people, and... Some folks are masters at manipulating and capitalizing off of that, creating fake charities, and who knows what else they've got going on out there. But it's something, of course, we should, shouldn't be paranoid, but we should just be aware. We should just be aware of how this uh, how this works and how uh, people use tragedies and difficulties and crises to take advantage of people, mislead them, deceive them, do whatever they can to separate them from their money, make them think they're helping out a noble cause and in reality that money's going straight to their bank accounts and these these can be individuals anywhere anywhere in the world. We've all probably run into scammers or know someone who's been taken advantage of a scammer or whatever the case may be. So that's something to keep in mind here as well as we as we venture through all of the all of the the fallout and all of the I guess, uh, consequences of the coronavirus outbreak here in the United States. But I'm going to take a time out, apologize for the short segment. When we get back, the rest of this hour and into the next hour, we'll make sure that we uh, talk about this, this bill and what's happening next in Congress. So we'll pick up there when we return. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. So we've got the bill that's passed the Senate. The bill that, admittedly, there's there's a lot wrong with here, right? I mean, this is something that uh, there's some some pork in this. There's definite problem. In fact, Forbes. I'm looking at a Forbes article here that kind of outlines some of the some of the problems. Of course, the 25 million dollars going to the JFK uh, JFK Center for the Performing Arts. The Kennedy Center uh, in Washington D.C. seventy five million seventy five million dollars uh, for public broadcasting. This, of course, NPR, Big Bird. Um, now, this is cut. I I feel I feel it's appropriate to mention, explain. I guess how we got to this point. Pelosi in this in the House put. 300 billion in here so they ended up walking away with 75 million so i think negotiators felt like that's a victory we got a compromise but to the uh to the point of those of you who are out there screaming about all of the the pork in this i mean you're you're right in the sense that we're still looking at 75 million if we're looking at if we're looking at just sustaining the economy why are we putting Expenses for other issues or other categories or whatever you want to say, like this. Why are we? Why are we doing this? One point two. Let's see. We're looking at renewable jet fuel, uh, jet fuel that's out there. We're looking at um, five hundred million that was in the Pelosi bill. These are things that were in the Pelosi bill as, as well. But some of these things made their way. Into, into the final piece of legislation that passed, $250 million to the IRS. The subsidy would cover, quote, taxpayer services, enforcement, and operations support. I and mean, the idea that this bill includes $250 million for the IRS um, <laughs> is not something that the average conservative necessarily agrees with. But then again, in the Pelosi bill... There were $602 million provided for this. So, again, I think negotiators are thinking – I think that's what this boils down to. I think that for people that want to jumpstart the economy, people in the Trump administration, I think they say, look, we've got to find a way. We are at a critical point. Companies are closing. They're going You know, – they've laid people off. They've fired. We don't know. There's no security. There's no stability. There's angst angst leads to more economic problems. It'll you know, it's that's what we're seeing in the stock market right now. When there's when there's hope and optimism, the market's going back up. Of course it's fallen off the face of the planet. But you've seen the past three days we've had the largest three day gain since nineteen thirty one. So there's all these emotions and so forth. And the, I think the Trump administration, they're not Trump is not an ideological conservative he actually he's a conservative in many ways i i think because they it, that makes practical common sense but he's not an ideological conservative he's thinking how do we get this done and so the compromise on this right wrong or indifferent is that they view this as a you know a positive compromise in the case of money to the IRS which i and you know is crazy and shouldn't be part of this $250 million instead of $602 million, they feel like they've made some progress there. Anyway, that's what I think is going on here. And they realize that there's a, there's a cost for the amount of time that it takes to pass this. And if they were going to be stonewalled by the Democrats um, and no legislation happen, the effects on the economy would be worse slowly, maybe very quickly. So, I don't know. This is uh, complicated. There's, There's several ways to look at, I guess, look at this. It's fundamentally flawed. There's no doubt about it. There's things in here, conservatives, reasonable people would say, absolutely no way that should be in there. Conversely, action needs to be taken by the government. We have radically insane people in Congress, and so... The starting point of the negotiation was massively even much greater than what we're looking at here massive amounts of money and um, that would be given to these other ancillary and totally unrelated issues if Pelosi had her way now they've cut that and I think they feel like it's a victory because they weren't going to get some of the things they got out some of the things they just got cut it's a compromise I guess and so that's what uh, that's what they'll tell you. And as a percentage of the entire pot that's been allocated, these figures, while they're huge dollars amount, dollar amounts, and I'm not minimizing it, but as a percentage of the whole, it's percentage-wise not, not a massive part of the, the overall legislation, but still problematic. So we'll see what happens in the House today. I got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. We'll see we'll see what happens here today with this legislation the question then becomes what happens what happens if for some reason this doesn't pass what happens um you know i I don't know that it's necessarily safe to assume that we get even a better piece of legislation it could get it could get worse that's a definite possibility with the jokers that we that we have here um i don't know what happens next what effects does that have on the economy? How long can can businesses sustain this without some sort of – whatever the action is, whatever that's deemed to be, whatever's deemed to be appropriate, how long can the average worker and business deal with what's happening in the economy? I don't have an answer for that. So anyway, music telling me it's time to wrap up, guys. Join me in the second hour, SDG, see you in a few.